and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and to change our lives and to do something wonderful in us. Give us a hope and an expectation. Repeat after me, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So we're in the series, Do You Believe This? When I started this series, I looked at the encounter that Yeshua had with Martha in Yochanan chapter 11 when her brother Eliezer had died. And in verse 25 of Yochanan chapter 11, John chapter 11, Yeshua said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever puts his trust in me will live even if he dies, and everyone living and trusting in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he said to her. Do you believe this? And that's the question that Yeshua is constantly asking us. Do we believe? Do we believe the word of God as delivered to us that we hold in our hands or carry on our phones the word of God? I went on to say that we, what we believe affects our life and that what you believe determines what you receive. So we can conclude that, we, that what we believe will affect what we do and how we live our lives. Our priorities, what we deem important, what we invest in, what we sow our energies into, what we believe is going to determine how we live. One of the truths that should profoundly shape our lives that's found in the scripture that we're going to be talking about today is the second, second coming of Messiah as taught in the scripture. However, to the degree that we really believe in that truth will be to the same degree in which it impacts how we live out our time here on this earth. I'm going to be reading here from Matityahu, Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 1. The kingdom of heaven at that time will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. The foolish ones took lamps with them, but no oil, whereas the others took flasks of oil with their lamps. Now the bridegroom was late, so they all went to sleep. It was in the middle of the night when the cry rang out, the bridegroom is here, go out to meet him. The girls all woke up and prepared their lamps for lighting. The foolish ones said to the sensible ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both you and us. Go to the oil dealers and buy some for yourselves. But as they were going off to buy, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came. Sir, sir, they cried, let us in. But he answered, indeed, I tell you, I don't know you. So stay alert, because you know neither the day nor the hour. 
an exhortation to us. Yeshua telling us, the Messiah telling us, stay alert. You don't know the day and the hour in which the bridegroom comes. That's a sobering thought in light of Yeshua coming again. It says in the scripture, first understand this. During the last days, scoffers will come following their own desires and asking, where is this promised coming of his? Where is this second coming I've read about and heard about? For our fathers have died and everything goes on just as it has since the beginning of creation. That's a question many have today. They see the times it's been 2,000 years since Yeshua came and died for our sins as the atoning sacrifice. And where is this coming that was promised? During the last days. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days. So the Bible puts us in the last days. In the last days. We don't have to say when are the last days. The Bible puts us in the period of the last days. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And not only is it the last days, but Yochanan clarifies even further the time period in which we live. In Yochanan, Aleph, chapter 2, and verse 18, it says, Children, it is the last hour. Not only is it the last days, But the Shiliach tells us it's the very last hour of history. And that was 2,000 years ago. Friends, we very well may be in the closing seconds of history. If 2,000 years ago it was the last hour, where are we today? In Kephabet chapter 3, in verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, his promise of coming, his promise of returning. You see, in the Jewish writings, it speaks of both a suffering Messiah and a conquering Messiah. Well, we know who are followers of Yeshua that where they thought there was two messiahs coming, one to suffer and one to die, we know that Yeshua is the one messiah who came and first suffered to die for our sins and then will come back as the reigning king of kings and the lord of glory. 
And he says to us, Kepha, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise of return, as some people think of slowness. On the contrary, he is patient with you, for it is not his purpose that anyone should be destroyed, but that everyone should turn from his sins. However, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements melt and disintegrate, and the earth and everything in it will be burned up. In preparation for tikkun olam, a new heaven and a new earth, a restoration of all things. So from a scriptural standpoint, we are not only in the last days, but the final hours, perhaps the final seconds of human history. We must keep this in mind as we navigate our lives through the life God has given us to live. And we must not think for a second that he has forgotten or that he is not going to come just because it's been a long time. No, that he is on his way. The scripture tells us he's at the door, ready to break out and return for us, his people. That's pretty sobering news. But it's not alarming news if we have been born again through the Lamb of God. We should be prepared, however, and settled on the truth that Yeshua is, in fact, coming again. And he's coming. Let me give you a few more scriptures. Matthew 24, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. All the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with tremendous power and glory. He will send out his angels with a great shofar, and they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's pretty powerful. Where does that come from, by the way? That comes from Zechariah, chapter 12, where the prophet writes, And I will pour out on the house of David and on those living in Jerusalem a spirit of grace and prayer, and they will look to me whom they pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will look upon the pierced one who is returning and mourn and weep. In Daniel chapter 7, it says, Daniel writes, I kept watching the night visions when I saw coming with the clouds of heaven someone like the Son of Man. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. To him, the Son of Man was given rulership, glory, and a kingdom so that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His rulership is an eternal rulership, speaking of Mashiach, that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Friends, make no mistake about it, Yeshua is coming. Titus chapter 2 says, while continuing to expect Are you continuing to expect his return? 
the blessed fulfillment of our certain hope, which is the appearing of the Shekinah of our great God and the appearing of our Deliverer, Yeshua, the Messiah. Listen, that was written 2,000 years ago. And he was telling them, continue to expect this. It is a certain hope that is ready to bust onto the scene. Friends, we are so close to the coming of the Lord. Quite frankly, I don't think the earth could take much more. Let me give you one more, if you're not convinced. 1 Thessalonians, for the Lord himself. Isn't that, that's, first of all, get your mind around that. Wrap your head around that one. That the Lord himself is making a personal appearance or reappearance. He's coming because he, let me tell you one thing, he's been misrepresented. And so the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar, those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord who is in the air, and we will always be with the Lord. Speaking of the rapture, that those who are alive at the coming of God will be caught up to meet God in the air and transformed into a glorious body. And then Revelation 1, look, he is coming. With the clouds, every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the land will mourn for him. Again, a reference to Zechariah chapter 12. Friends, the scripture is crystal clear that Yeshua is returning bodily in the flesh. Do you know I could tell you when he's coming? (gasps) Don't do it, Rabbi. Don't give us a date. I won't give you a date, but I'll tell you what the scripture says. The scripture says that Yeshua is coming Soon. Yaakov, Jacob, or James in the English, chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, you too be patient. Keep up your courage for the Lord's return is near. The Lord's return is near. What would you do if I told you Saturday night... And I give you a call and I say, hey, let me give you a heads up. Your company is near. They're right around the corner. What would you do? I could see you in your house scrambling to get all the last minute details together. You'd be rushing around, nervous, hurry up, in the fridge, out of the fridge, setting the table, all the things you have to do. Hurrying, scattering, running, rushing, anxious, nervous, all those things. To be prepared. This scripture tells us the Lord's return is near. Look, I am coming. Here, look at this. Revelation chapter 22. Read it. Verse 7. Look, I am coming. What does it say? Very soon. Look, I am coming very soon. Blessed is the person who obeys the words of the prophecy written in this book. Verse 12. Pay attention, says Yeshua. I am coming soon. 
and my rewards are with me to give each person according to what he has done. Verse 13, I am the A and the Z, or the Aleph and the Tav, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 20, the one who is testifying to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. That's the response. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. Friends, he's coming soon. When is he coming? Soon. Listen to this story. Many years ago, there was a father who had to leave his home to go on a long journey. Just before he left, his little three-year-old son asked him, Daddy, when will you be coming back again? Now, the father knew that he would not be back till the end of September. However, he realized that it was no use talking about dates and times and seasons to his boy, for he would not know the difference between them. Sitting down beside him, the father said to the boy, Now listen, when you see the leaves on the trees turning red and brown and beginning to fall to the ground, then you can be sure that daddy is coming back very soon. The next day, the father left home, and during the months of July and August, the little boy would go for walks with his nurse. On these walks, he used to talk about his absent daddy. Slowly, the weeks went by until it came early September and then mid-September. Although the boy did not notice it, the leaves on the trees were changing color. Then one night, there was a big windstorm, and millions of leaves came down, filling the sidewalks and the gutters. The next morning when the little fellow went out, he immediately saw them. Letting go of his nurse's hands, he went amongst the leaves and began to kick them into the sky. Then he began to shout, hooray, hooray, daddy's coming home. Likewise, all over the world there is an expectation. The leaves are turning brown. And they're beginning to fall. Yeshua said, when you see these things begin to come to pass. Did he say be very gloomy? Did he say get discouraged and fearful? No, that's not what he said. He said, chin up, lift up your eyes, lift up your heads for my coming draws near. Yeshua is coming soon. So we could clearly see, and by the way, I could have gave you 25 more scriptures on that he's coming. I could have gave you more scriptures on that he's coming soon. And not only soon, we read how soon? Very soon. But he's also coming suddenly. Yeshua is coming suddenly. Luke 21. But keep watch on yourselves. Or your hearts will become dulled by carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of everyday living. Listen to that. It doesn't say necessarily not all of those things. It says by carousing. Well, Rabbi, I don't carouse. Good for you. Don't do it. Drunkenness, well, Rabbi, don't do that. Thank God. But he also said the worries of everyday living. 
And that day will be sprung upon you suddenly like a trap. And it's not that God's trying to trap you. And that's why he's giving you a heads up. He's telling you that day is coming unannounced quickly. One day you might be living your normal life. All of a sudden, bam, it's that hour. It's that timing. Mashiach is now come. That's how soon. That's how suddenly. And he goes on to say, for it will close in on everyone. Say everyone. No matter where they live, throughout the whole world. What does that tell you? No one is going to escape the sudden return of Yeshua. He's coming when? Very soon. How? Suddenly. To where? Everywhere in the world. Yeshua is coming. So what does he tell us in light of that? He tells us something. He says, stay alert, always praying that you will have the strength to escape all the things that will happen and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Woo! 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, look, who wants to know a secret? Don't we love secrets? I'll tell you a secret, said Shaul. Not all of us will die, but we will be changed when? It will take but a moment, the blink of an eye, at the final shofar, for the shofar will sound and the dead will be raised to live forever, and we too will be changed. When? Blink of an eye. Suddenly. Rapidly. When? Very soon. Kephabet, chapter 3. However, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. I don't know. Since we're all believers in this room, I would suppose, I don't believe any of us are in the thieving business. Right? But we could all imagine that a thief doesn't say, Hey, Rabbi, I'm going to be swinging by your house today about 3.30 to steal everything you have. So please uh, keep the door unlocked and stay away from the house. No, that's not the way a thief works. He wait, waits until he leaves expected. Matter of fact, we were robbed once when we lived in the parsonage. We, which, only, which was only two doors down from here. We could see the parsonage from the synagogue. It was the old synagogue, the small one, and it was the house. And you can look out of the office window and see the parsonage. And I walked over. We went home for lunch. We walked back. We went back, you know, four or five hours later, and the house was missing all sorts of stuff. Turned upside down. Every drawer... Everything. Could you imagine, you know, you go home every day and everything's in the place you left it. Then one day you come back and suddenly, unexpectedly, the thief struck. Yeshua said that he is coming like a thief in the sense it's going to be sudden, unexpected, 
That's why he tells us, be ready, be prepared for his return. On that day, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will melt and disintegrate and the earth and everything in it will be burned up. Since everything is going to be destroyed like this, what kind of people should you be? You should lead holy and godly lives as you wait for the day of God and work to hasten its coming. That day will bring on the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt from the heat. But we, following along with his promise, wait for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will be at home, tikkun olam. We wait for a renewed heaven and a new earth, for God to restore all things. Besides all this, friends, by the way, this is really good news for a believer. Let me tell you why. Because the truth is, he's going to come when he decides to come. Is that not right? He's going to come when he decides to come. And if we're ready and serving him, the joys and the glories that we're going to enter into are unimaginable, are glorious. And trust me, it's going to be like if I were to say to you, hey, I got a little inside track. I got a couple of tickets. The royal family in England, they're throwing this major ball, and I got two tickets. Take them. You could go. Everything's on the house. They'll fly you there and back. All, all your lodging is six-star. All the food you could eat, they're going to wine you and dine you. You and your, your sp- go and have a good time. Friend, you'd be like lining up to get those tickets. But God is going to do the very same thing. He is going to usher us in to a kingdom that is awesome. That once you get there, you will never, ever, ever want to leave. It's one of those hotels that you check in and you don't want to ever check out. That's why it's important to be ready, to get the call. Hey, it's time. Tells us in Romans 13. And in light of what I just said today, listen to this. Besides all this, everything I've said, I'm putting it into the context of Romans 13. Besides all this, you know at what point of history we stand. Do you not? Yeshua is coming again. We just saw it in the scripture. He's coming in the last days in which we live. Matter of fact, in the final hours. And we could extrapolate that even the final seconds of human history. And he's coming suddenly. Any moment. Not going to announce it until he decides to come. So, you know at what point of history we stand. So it is high time. <clears throat> you know what the Greek means there? 
It is the time right now. Don't wait a second longer. It is the time. It's not time to flip-flop. It's not time to go back and forth. Not time to vacillate. Not time to say, well, give me a week or two and I'll think about it, Rabbi. No, it is high time for you to rouse yourself from your sleep. Remember the story I led with, with the ten virgins. Five were ready. Five weren't. So it's high time. It is the time for you to rouse yourself from your sleep for the final deliverance is nearer than when we first came to trust. The night is almost over. That was 2,000 years ago. What does that tell us? The day is a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. He tells us the night's almost over. Friends, we are ready for dawn to break any second in human history, any second. So with that, this is what he says. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and arm ourselves with the weapons of light. Let us live properly as people do in the daytime, not partying and getting drunk, not engaging in sexual immorality and other excesses, not quarreling and being jealous. Instead, clothe yourself with the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and don't waste your time thinking about how to provide for the sinful desires of your old nature. That's a mouthful, friends. That's a mouthful. But that's a clear exhortation given by God that's telling us, hey, friend, by the time you hit your car in the lot, he could decide, I'm coming. And at that moment, it's not the time to begin to get ready. We need to already be ready. Already. You hear what I'm saying? So what does that mean for us? Let me give you that list from the different passages that we read. One, stay alert spiritually. Stay spiritually alert. Do you know what that means? That means that you are spiritually engaged in spiritual things. You're praying. You're reading the word of God. You're talking to God through prayer. You're alert. You know what's going on in the spirit. Okay, there's more to what's going on in this room than meets the eye. You're alert spiritually. You're, uh, how should we put it, savvy, spiritually speaking. Then he encourages us to pray for strength to endure. I don't know about you, this life could be rough. Life is not easy. With all the twists and turns and the ups and downs and challenges. But he says, pray for the strength to endure in what? Your faith. Can I tell you, the enemy is always trying to, we think when we read the verse, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that it's only about our bodies and our money and those types of things. Primarily, what the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy is our faith. Because if he has your faith, he has everything. If he has your faith, then you're his. 
And so he always chips away at our faith. Always. He uses every opportunity to chip away at our faith, to bring it down. Why? Because he wants to take it from us. And here's our exhortation. Pray for strength to endure. Three, lead holy and godly lives. Folks, anyone like football, baseball, any type of sport? Is there a TV show you like? One, the Food Channel, right? There's probably something you watch, right? And you can't even watch them make a darn pizza. And then you have one of those bizarre fragrance commercials. You ever get one of them? Me and my kids, my kids will say, don't look. Don't look. And they had all these freaky stuff, half-dressed people coming out of water and the sand dunes. It's perverted. Trying to what? Corrupt people. And the Bible says live godly and holy lives. Bible encourages women to dress modestly. All those sorts of things that the world reels against. Friends, we need to lead holy and godly lives. Four, put aside deeds of darkness. Why? Because the coming of, of the Son of Man is near. Friend, if you're doing something, listen to me. Look at me. You know if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know it. You know if there's something you do, a habit, a practice that you currently are involved in, maybe on a semi-regular basis, every once in a blue moon, maybe all the time, that you shouldn't be involved with. It's not godly. It's a deed of darkness. Friend, Scripture, put it aside now. Don't play with it. Don't pet it. Don't say, I'll get to it next year. Friend, put it aside, says the word of God. Put it off and never look back. Why? Because he's coming for a bride spotless. He's not coming people who are kind of into the things of the world and kind of into him. You know, I, I kind of like that, you know, that, that, those, uh, those commercials. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like, you know, of course I like praise and worship too. No. He's coming for holy people. Not perfect people, holy people. So put it aside. Five, put on the weapons of light, which is the armor of God. That means be in prayer, be a man of the word, um, know how to get a hold of God. Live properly in the daytime. I tell my kids, and I've told my kids for a very long time. Why? Because I, ha- I have some experience. Because I wasn't always a believer. Some of you have been believers most of your life. My wife was a believer since she was six years old. I was not a believer when I was six years old. It wasn't until I was in my 20s, almost mid-20s, and I got to experience a lot of things. And I can tell you from experience, nothing good takes place after 11 o'clock at night. Everything that's going on in that world after 11, trust me, ain't good. Good. 
And the Bible says to live properly where in the daytime. Now, of course, it's talking about in the daytime, in the light of God, in the good things of the kingdom. Wholesome things, godly things, goodly things. No partying, no getting drunk, no sexual immorality, no quarreling, no jealousy, no thinking how to gratify sinful desires, but rather put on Messiah, his character and his nature. Be like him. It tells it gives us a recipe. Why does he tell us this? Because his coming could be a moment. It certainly is in God's economy. It's in moments. He's coming in mere moments. Let me encourage you with this last story as I close. During his 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy often closed his speeches with the story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. On May 19, 1780, the sky of Hartford darkened ominously, and some of the representatives glancing out the windows feared that the end was at hand. That's how dark it got. Quelling a clamor for immediate adjournment, Davenport rose, and this is what he said. He said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If it is not, there is no cause for the adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. Rather than fearing what is to come, we are to be faithful Till Messiah returns. And that's what I want to tell you. The truth is, everything I told you is right in the scripture. Yeshua is coming again. Yeshua is coming soon, and even very soon. And he's coming suddenly. But we're not to fear and be paralyzed and say, oh my goodness, it is dark and gloomy outside. Let me run into a closet and hide and cower. No. We are to be about doing our work for the kingdom of God. Not fearing what is to come, we are to be faithful until Messiah returns. Instead of fearing the dark, we are to be lights as we watch and wait. Do you hear that? Instead of fearing the dark, we are to be lights as we watch and we wait for his return. Friends, he's coming. Do you believe this? Now, here's the thing. If I tell you I believe something, there's going to be some corresponding actions. Wouldn't you agree? If you believe Yeshua is coming, if you believe he's coming soon, if you believe he's coming very soon, if you believe the scripture that said he's coming like a thief in the night, if you believe his exhortation to you and to me to be ready, 
to get out of the, the, the dark things of the world, to prepare your hearts to be spiritually equipped. If you believe all that, then your life is going to reflect it. The way you live, the decisions you make, the choices that you make are all going to reflect that you believe that one, Yeshua is coming again, two, he's coming very soon, and three, he's coming at any moment. The person that says, hey, Rabbi, I'm going to wait to get my life together until I'm old and rickety. That person really doesn't believe Yeshua is coming. Coming soon, coming suddenly. That person thinks, just doesn't believe it. If we believe it, our life will reflect it. I want to encourage you to give this some thought. Everything I read to you, I read from the scripture. Do you believe the scripture? Do you believe the writings that Yeshua left us about his return, the timing of his return, and everything else? And if you do believe it, I want to suggest to you that you need to maybe take a look and a peek at your life and say, hey, does my life reflect that belief that I say that I have? Can I, be, can I be dead honest with you? There is nothing, nothing. If you were the president of the United States, there is nothing more important than this right here. Because at the end of the day, you could be a head of state or begging for food on the sidewalk. And you're going to stand before the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. And you're going to see him face to face. Panim el panim. And he's not going to be interested in anything else, not your position, not your status, not your bank account. The only thing he's going to be concerned with is are you ready? Are you ready? He wants us to be ready, and he doesn't want us to be fearful. He just wants us to be ready. For the majority, maybe all of us in this room, we are ready. For some of us in this room, maybe we have to make a couple of tweaks. That's okay. Thank God, right? Thank God the rabbi's up here telling you now. Could you imagine? I didn't get to this one. And he comes. Uh-oh. But you heard it. And maybe you have to make a couple of tweaks. So you make it. But you live your life. You're not fearful. You live in the light. And you don't fear the darkness. And you're ready to go today and tomorrow and in 10 years and in 20 years. And if he comes in 70 years, you're ready. But you're ready. If I accomplish that today then I did my job. Yeshua's coming, friends. And when he comes, you know, we didn't quite capture it today because I know sometimes, but we will dance on streets of gold. The glorious bride of Messiah and the great son of man. 
Friend, there ain't going to be a better party you've ever been invited to than that party. And you are going to have the time of your life for eternity. That's why it's so important that you make that decision now. Listen, if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Yeshua, you've never said, God, I believe the report and the testimony about Yeshua, his Messiahship, he being the atoning sacrifice for my sin. You've never done that. You've never placed your trust in him, that he is going to save you. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer and believe it really sincerely in your heart. And the Bible says if we can believe in our heart, right, that Yeshua is Lord and confess with our mouth. We confess with our mouth, I mean, that Yeshua is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We believe, just like Isaiah said, we shall be delivered, atoned for. So that's simple. So pray with me, Lord Yeshua. Lord, I repent of my sin and my waywardness. God, I ask for your forgiveness and your mercy and your great compassion. God, wash my sins away. And I believe and I trust in the testimony of your son. I believe that he paid the penalty for my sins and atoned for them on the tree. And I invite you, Ruach Hashem, to come live in my heart and help me to walk out my days for Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. If you said that and believed it, a transformation begins to happen in your heart and life. And you are now part of the family of God. It's that simple. It's not a works thing. It's a conscious decision that we make by turning from our sins and turning to God's atonement. This was a pretty serious one, but I tell you what, on the one hand, it's a really fun one. Because when we see each other, when we are in our eternal home, man, you are going to be stoked beyond measure. Every fiber of your being is just going to be alive with joy in the presence of the king. So it's a great, 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 great thing to know that your name is written in the book of life. It's a great, great thing to be connected to Yeshua the Messiah. And it's a great, great thing to expect that he's coming any moment to redeem us from this fallen, broken world and to usher us into a world that's paradise. Amen? So let's stand on our feet. Just bow your hearts. I want to pray over you. Avinu, Malkinu, our Father, our King. Father, I pray for every single person in this room. God, I pray over every heart. And Father, I speak the life of your Ruach into each one. God, that you would breathe upon them, Lord, the vitality of your Spirit, God, that you would energize each one to live for you, God, and to experience the joy of being in right relationship with you, God, to experience the joy of deeper levels of worship, a deeper, Lord, um, connection to you, their Messiah. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would bring healing and health into every body. Father, that 
Lord, you would just, Lord, bless them exceedingly, abundantly above all that they ask or imagine. Father, for the children, God, that they would grow in stature and in favor before God and men, Lord, that they would have the favor of God upon their lives. Father, for those, Lord, who, Lord, have aches and pains and ailments, God, that you'd bring swift and complete healing and restoration. Father, that you would bless us, God, in every way as we seek your face. We, your people, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Stretch out your hand. Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We ask it B'Shem Yeshua. And everyone said, Amen. Go. Shabbat Shalom. In the blessings of the Lord. Amen.